All right, when God steps in, when God steps in, you know what? I don't know about you, but uh, you, you look around our country, you look around the world and what's going on right now and what we need more than anything in the world. Uh, there's a lot of things we do not need that everybody thinks we need. What we need most is God to step into our country and do something miraculous, do something radical. But until that happens, what we can't control is that we ask God to just at least step into our life, to step into our world. God, come into my life and into my situations and have your way in me. We change the world by letting God change us one person at a time. And that's where we can start. Because when God steps into our life, a whole lot of stuff happens. Like really, really good things happen. Power, the power from above, the power of God is displayed in lots and lots of ways. Like God brings peace and he brings comfort and he brings direction and he brings promise and he brings forgiveness and grace and mercy and all the things that that the world doesn't understand, what people are living without. It's the reason we have so many problems and people are medically messed up today. It's because we don't have the living God, the creator of the universe, the creator of us, living in us, having his way in us, bringing into our heart, into our spirit, the things of God. And what we do have is a lot of people running around in the world with the spirit of the world living in them. And that is not the spirit of God. It is the spirit of confusion and chaos and evil. And so I hope and pray as we move through this series, as we talk today, that what we want most is for God to step into our life. That as we look at examples of how God stepped into the lives of other people and did amazing things, that we'll want God to do something amazing in us. Even if it's not what we want. If it's just something that God needs done, that we can be a part of what God is doing, that will be amazing. That will be good enough. When God steps in, not only do a lot of impossible, crazy things happen, but here's the deal. When God steps in, miracles happen. They just do because God is a powerful, supernatural God. And when he touches somebody or touches something, incredible things happen beyond our understanding and our ability to reason. All the medical doctors can say one thing, but if God says something else, it is going to happen because God is a God of miracles. And so far what we have said is that when God steps in, he stepped into uh, the creation when there was nothing and God said, let there be, and all of a sudden there was. The power of God's word is insane. God stepped into Noah's life. We talked about Noah and how God did a mighty work in Noah. God did a mighty work in Abraham. And last week we talked about how God did a mighty work through Isaac. And that was the one we did online for you guys. When God steps in to a person's life, there is a great impact on that person and on everything around them. When God steps in, hope, hope, and, 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 uh, and uh, the power of 
God's creativeness comes in and brings hope and peace and direction to the situation. When God steps in, more than anything else, lives are changed for the good. People's lives are changed for the good when God is a part of what's going on, which is why we should cry out for God to step into our world and step into our situation. Well, one day, one day, God stepped into the life of a man by the name of Moses. Moses. We're going to think about Moses today. The people in Moses's day were in bondage and slavery. Remember from Joseph, uh, they came over and Joseph was sold as a slave and there was the famine in the land and all of Israel ended up in Egypt because God put Joseph there and stepped into Joseph's world. We, we didn't even talk about Joseph, but how God stepped into Joseph's world, preserved Joseph in a very weird way. But Joseph now is in Egypt, high ranking, and all of Israel now comes into uh, Egypt to live and to dwell. Well, what happens is over time, different pharaohs rise up in Egypt and they don't like the Israelites. And so during the time of Moses, these people now are in bondage because Pharaoh has subjected them and oppressed them. He does not want them to rise up and take over Egypt. And so the way he treats them is like a dictator telling people what they should do. And now he's, the Pharaoh is telling them what they're going to do. And basically what they're going to do is they're going to become slaves in Egypt. And so that's what they are when God steps into Moses' life the first time. They are slaves in Egypt, but they are becoming very numerous in number. Joseph and all his brothers, they're all gone. They're all dead. And this new king in Egypt... He doesn't care about Joseph's people anymore. He don't care about them. The other one did. He does not. And so he oppresses them. And in Exodus chapter 1, verses 8 through 22, check out what the scripture says. Exodus 1. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. Look, he said to his people, the Israelites have become far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. If war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. And so they put slave masters over them to oppress them with forced labor, and they built Python and Ramses as store cities for Pharaoh. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread. And so the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites and worked them ruthlessly. A lot of hate going on for the little guy. They made their lives bitter with harsh labor in brick and mortar and with all kinds of work in the fields and all their harsh labor. The Egyptians worked them ruthlessly. The king of Egypt said to the to the uh, Hebrew midwives whose names were Shipra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on the delivery stool, that's interesting, if you see that the baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. 
The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And the midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and they give birth before the midwives arrive. And so God was kind to the midwives and the people increased, became more, even more numerous. And because of the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every Hebrew boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. And so Pharaoh is afraid of how big Israel is becoming as a nation, as a group. And he wants to stamp out any boy that is going to be born. Out of fear of them one day eventually taking control of him. And so his plan is to kill all the baby boys. And in Exodus chapter 2, to this evil situation, the killing of babies, evil situation, to this Moses, baby Moses is born into this situation going on in Egypt right here. And so his parents hide Moses for a few months and then they place Moses in a basket and they put him in the reeds in the Nile on the edge of the Nile River. And Pharaoh's daughter comes down to take her bath and she finds this basket with this baby. And so she decides that she's going to keep this baby and raise this baby. And so in Exodus chapter 2, verses 5 to 10, check out what happens. This is how good God is. When God wants something done, he not only steps into a person's life, but then when he goes to work, he protects them. He brings about what God wants done. And all he needs is a willing soul to go along with him and do whatever it is he wants. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. Her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and she sent her female slaves to get it. She opened it up and she saw this baby. He was one, he was crying and he, and she felt sorry for him. This is the one of, this is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? Yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. This is Moses' mother that she went and got. And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. And she named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Isn't that incredible? Pharaoh says, kill the boys. Moses' parents put him in a basket. Pharaoh's daughter finds him. And who ends up raising him? Moses' mother. God is just incredibly good like that. I mean, God can, can work whatever he wants 
in our lives and in this world, however he wants to do it, he'll do it. All we got to do is trust that he will. But before Moses could say, Mama, before he could even begin to nurse, God was already stepping into his life and protecting Moses for a very special purpose. See, God always has a plan, and it will happen no matter what or who comes up against you or me. And the scripture is true. When it comes to God's protection, the scripture is true for you and for me. Here's what it says in Psalm 44, 44 verse 7. But you have saved us from our adversaries, and you have put to shame those who hate us. The psalmist says, God, you are very much aware of those who are coming up against us, and you will take care of them. Deuteronomy says, the Lord your God will inflict all these curses on your enemies and on those who hate you, who persecute you. See, this is how God works. This is the God of all creation. He is always working for us, for those who honor him. You live your life for God and his protection will come upon you. If you do not live your life for God, you work against God, then you are out there on your own and you will, you will end up the loser. You only win. We only win when we are under God's protection. Outside of that, we lose. Not only in this life, but in all of eternity, we will be lost in eternal hell forever. Only under God's protection and his mighty hand are we safe in this world and in the world to come. And God is more concerned about our eternal life than he is about our temporary life. What goes on in this world does not matter as much as what goes on in eternity. God is more concerned about that. When God says he will protect us, well, he's not necessarily thinking about protection on the planet, even though he does. He's thinking more about eternal protection for your soul and my soul that is going to live forever. That's the one protection we need most. If we suffer on this earth but have eternal life, we are blessed above all. But if we're blessed on this earth and suffer in eternity, we are fools we would never trade in our soul our eternal soul for the stuff of this world god isn't as concerned about what happens on this planet as he is about what's going to happen for you and me in all of eternity and that's just how god works he protects those who love him who honor him but here's the thing we have got to be careful what our attitude is on this earth it is important to God that we let God deal with people, that we trust that God will take care of it. And when we take matters into our own hand, we are basically saying to God, God, I don't trust you. I'm going to do it myself. That is not faith. Faith is being persecuted and letting God deal with it. Let God deal with it. Because he's working on me in the midst of the suffering and he is going to work on them for causing the suffering. Just let God. In fact, 
Our attitude needs to stay in check because here's what Jesus said about this. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said, But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That's it. Don't, don't punch back. Don't hit back. As much as you want to, like as much as our flesh wants to just strike back when we get somebody picks on us or somebody says something to us or somebody attacks us, we want to like we want to jump in and do it ourselves. Jesus said, don't do that. Love those who you would consider to be against you, your enemies. Pray for those who come against you. And in Luke, he says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. My mom would say, kill them with kindness. I mean, that's one of the phrases my mom said a lot. Kill them with kindness. When somebody's mean to you, you just treat them in love. That is so like Jesus. Kill them with kindness. Just pray for them, love them, let God deal with them. God will protect his people, but we got to let God do it his way. Right? We got to trust that he will. And how relevant is that to us in our day in this nation right now. Like never before have we seen such chaos in our country. Like there, in, in numerous ways, we, are, we as a country are being attacked by the devil in so many categories. And our leadership has to make decisions one that are going to be best for the people of this country, but also that will honor God. And if they don't do that, we're just going to experience more hardship because we are letting evil triumph in this country. And that's what's happening. And how relevant is this for you and me? Pray for them. Show kindness, show love. Let God deal with those people the way God wants to deal with it. This does not mean we should not speak up, because I do believe we need to. We need to speak up for truth. We need to speak up for what's right. We need to speak up for what is morally correct. Killing babies is not cool. Pharaoh killed babies. When Jesus was born, the king killed the babies, trying to kill Jesus. Killing babies is never okay. And anyone who supports the killing of babies is not on the side of God. That is clear. That is very clear because the scripture says, I knit you together in your mother's womb. God knows us from the moment of conception that we are a living, breathing baby. A child made in the image of God. And no one should kill that baby, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb. No one. That's evil. That's sheer evil. And so in our day, this is very relevant for you and me. But God will protect us. You know, I heard somebody say this week, I would take revenge on something that happened to them. But they said, but then I would probably be in jail. And that's what will happen if we take matters into our own hands, right? We'd probably end in jail, end up in jail or, you know, in trouble, a lot of trouble. Romans, Paul said, or Paul says that God will take care of those, 
you know, who are going to harm us. Let God deal with them. He knows what's going on. And here's the cool thing is that God will always do it better than you and I could ever do it. His plans are greater. He knows deeper and he will take care of it far better than I will ever do. Paul says in Romans 12, do not take revenge on your own. Leave room for the wrath of God, wrath of God, the wrath of God. God will repay. And so here's what's going on. God's people, the Hebrew children of the Israelites, it's all the same group of people. At this time, they are slaves in Egypt when Moses is born. And, and although Moses was raised up in royalty, he had all the choicest of things. He had a palace over his head. He had choice food. He had choice clothing. He had guard protection. I mean, Moses had all the nice things. Although he had those things, Moses never abandoned his people. He always knew that he, deep down, was a Hebrew child, just like the people that were living in the, in the land that were now being oppressed as slaves. Isn't that strange that, that these first 40 years of Moses' life growing up in, in Egypt in the palace with Pharaoh and his family, even though he had all those things from infancy on, he still knew, he still knew that he was a child of God, that he belonged to that same group of people that were living outside the palace. He never forgot his family. And you gotta wonder why. How is it that an infant who grows up in the palace with the Egyptians, having all the choices of things, how is it they, they know deep down, or they know somehow that they don't belong in this palace this is really not where they belong they belong out there with those suffering people well maybe maybe it's because moses knew just how blessed he was to survive his own birth like that that god protected him for a very important purpose on the earth maybe maybe he just knew that god was doing something or was going to do something, has, had done something in his life for his special purpose. Maybe it was because his mom, that while nursing him and got to nurse her own son, sang God's songs in his ears as he was a child. And maybe those resonated in his heart and he never forgot who he came from, who he belonged to. Maybe deep down in his heart, God had placed a sense of truth and oughtness and godliness. And Moses knew deep down that he did not belong in this Egyptian royalty family. He was out of place there. Moses had all the riches of the Egyptians, but he knew he belonged to those Hebrew slaves. He knew it. And we should too. This is one of those things that you and I need to remember from the life of Moses. That, that, that whatever you have, whatever level of greatness or success you have attained, whatever the world says that you have become, some kind of big shot in some kind of way, we are not of this world. 
We belong to a different kingdom. We are child children. We are sons and daughters of God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. This place is not our home. For Moses, this palace was not his home. For you and me, this place is not our home. And in Exodus chapter 2, one day, Moses, Moses saw one of his fellow Hebrew brothers out working and being abused by one of the Egyptian masters. And Moses stepped in to defend his Hebrew brother. And Moses ends up killing this Egyptian, murder. And he tried to bury the body in the sand. But someone witnessed this happening and brought it up again Sometime later, Pharaoh caught wind of the fact that Moses killed one of his master workers over the Hebrew slaves. And so Moses had to go on the run. And he takes off out of Egypt and he goes. And for the next 40 years of Moses' life, the next 40 years, Moses is going to live in the desert around Midian, and he's going to marry a woman by the name of Zipporah. And they're going to have two sons. One's named Gershom and the other Eliezer. Here's what's cool about this. Gershom stands for foreigner. Foreigner because Moses realized that he was a foreigner in a foreign land. And so should you and I. Right? We don't belong on this planet. It is not our home, our heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. So we don't get too comfortable right here. Whatever happens, we realize the enemy is in control and evil is going to happen all around us. But we're going to stand and we're going to fight for what's right and what's true. Even if it means death. His child named Gershom means foreigner. His, his other son by the name of Eliezer means God is help. God is help. Now those are two amazing names, right? Foreigner sums up Moses' life. He's on the run now. Could also sum up the life of Abraham, who is always on the move. But God is my help. And that is exactly what God is going to do in the life of Moses. God is going to be a help to all of Israel, to his children. And for a long time, these next 40 years of Moses' life, he lived in the palace for 40 years, kills the Egyptian, now he's on the run, and then for the next set of 40 years, Moses is going to live a very simple life outside of Midian, in the country, very ordinary, with stinky sheep, as a, as a sheep herdsman, doing that kind of work for 40 years. Very quiet very simple, on the run, wanted in Egypt for murder. Wow, I'm no longer a slave to sin. We just heard that song by uh, Zach Williams. I am a child of God. God has broken the chains. Moses is wanted for murder in Egypt and God is gonna use Moses in a very mighty, mighty way. 
I got to tell you, you know, you think about this life of Moses. It did not go exactly the way God wanted it to go. When God decides to use you and me as ordinary people, he also allows us to impact how things go. And more than once in Moses' life has God had to now wait for Moses, right? We don't know the plan, the original plan for Moses, but, but for the next 40 years, Moses is going to be on the run in, in Midian, and God is going to give him time to get his act together before he's going to use them him for a very important purpose back in Egypt. That is incredible. And maybe what needed to happen in Egypt was they waited 40 years for them to get to a point where they, they were ready to leave Egypt. We don't know. God knows everything. You know, he knows it all. But, but there are times that in our own life we make decisions that hinder the work of God. Moses does this more than once. Okay, For 40 years now, Moses is going to be in, in the wilderness. And it's gonna, he's going to live a very kind of crazy, simple just out there in the manure pile of life for, for, for a while. But when the time is right, and that's always the cool thing about God is that, that whether it's his perfect timing or, or a, 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 his timing because we are not ready and we are just not, our head isn't on straight or we do something stupid and now God has to back off on his plan or change his plan or what, however God orchestrates that, I don't know. But, but when the time was right, God is going to step back into Moses' life in a very, very big way. And Moses' life is about to get really exciting. The first 40 years in palace, in Egypt, under royalty. The next 40 years in Midian, taking care of sheep out in the wilderness. But now God's going to step into his life at age 80 and crazy things are about to happen. At the end of chapter 2 of Exodus... Here's what the scripture says. During that long period, those 40 years, the king of Egypt died. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out and their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. And so God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. No, it was their cry, their groaning, maybe for 40 years of it, just groaning out to God, crying out to God, God, hear our cries, God, hear our cries, God, hear our cries, God. God, help us, God, help us, God, do something, God, step into our life. And eventually, when the time was right, God did. Remember, it's about his timing, not our timing. But when the time was right, God is going to step into your world, into your life, into your situation. And he is going to do what is necessary to be done. So here's what happens. They cry out and then in the burning bush, out in Midian, out in the wilderness, taking care of sheep, Moses is now confronted with a burning bush that is not being consumed. And so he goes over to this bush, and in that bush, the Lord speaks to Moses. 80 years old. 80 years old. 
And now God says, now is the time for something incredible to happen in your life, Moses. You've been living a simple life, Moses. You've been on the run, Moses. You've been hiding from the Egyptians, Moses. God now says, I'm going to step into your life and we're going to do something unbelievable, miraculous, and crazy. To me, that is a huge, big wow. Wow. And Moses is given the task of going back to Egypt where he is a wanted man to rescue the Hebrew children out of their bondage, out of their slavery, and lead them to the promised land that God had promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that was waiting for them. Moses is now going to be the one to go back to Egypt and lead the people to that promised land. It will not be easy. There will be difficulties. There will be lots of difficulties. There will be limited resources. There will be huge obstacles. Let me just remind you of some of the difficulties that Moses was now going to have to deal with. You know, when God steps in, it's not going to be easy. It's not going to go smooth. It isn't going to be a cakewalk or a rose garden. There's going to be blood, sweat, tears, and, and like many of the apostles, there may be a, a rough ending. God is not concerned about protecting us as much on this earth as he is our soul in all of eternity. And Moses is going to go through some tough times. Let me, let me remind you of some. One of, the, one of the difficulties Moses is going to have to deal with is Pharaoh. He's got to go back to a place where he killed a man. And now he's got to tell Pharaoh to let God's people leave the land. And Pharaoh has it good. These people are slaves. This is his workforce. This is not going to be easy. Which leads to the next things. All the, the plagues that God now is going to call down on, on, on Egypt. And, and the, God's people are all in here. And so they all have to deal with all of these things. This is not going to be easy. Ten plagues. Next, Moses is going to have to be, he's going to be stuck between between the Red Sea and a, and a military force of Egypt. And, and that's going to be a struggle for him with all of these people looking to him to lead the way. Moses is going to have to display a lot of faith and a lot of courage if they're going to make it through. Moses is going to have to feed these people once they get on the other side of the Red Sea. they got to eat. They took some stuff with them, but not enough for a long period of time. He's got to worry about how they're, what direction they're going to go and what they're going to eat along the way and shelter and all these things. Moses has to deal with these things. These are not going to be easy things to deal with. Moses is going to have to deal with rebellious people. People who continually cry out, why didn't you leave us in Egypt? We were better off in Egypt, slaves in Egypt rather than out here in the wilderness to die. They had no faith in God, but Moses is going to have to have enough faith for not just himself, but for all of them, and say, keep trusting God. And Moses is going to have to deal with these rebellious people, which is going to also then lead into 40 more years of wandering. Isn't that weird? So Moses, 40 years, he spends a Midian because he kills an Egyptian, and now he's on the run. And the smoke has to settle and the dust has to settle before God can jump in and, and continue doing. We don't know what the time he would have been prior to that. But he kills somebody and now he's got to flee 40 years. And now here we are, a little time later, and now the, the, God, the, the 
the Hebrew children are going to whine and cry to Moses and God's going to say, fine, none of you are going into the promised land. Your whole generation is going to perish before you go in. So that's another 40 years that they're going to wander around the wilderness because of their unbelief and their attitude. And not only them, but Moses himself is going to cause himself more grief. Two different times God says to Moses, because the people are thirsty, to get water from a rock. The first time God says to him, strike the rock and water will come out. The second time God says to him, speak to the rock. But Moses, he gets a little frustrated and a little impatient and he beats the rock and the rock produces water. But God is not happy that Moses did not follow his instructions. And so Moses is not going to enter the promised land. He's going to lead them to it, but it's going to be another guy who's going to lead them into the promised land. This is not going to be an easy mission. When God steps into your life, that doesn't mean everything's going to go easy for you and go just the way you want. And, and it's sad when, you, when I find people and I talk to people who think, I invited God into my life, everything should be easy. No, 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 no. We live in a world that is evil. We live in a world that has been taken over by the enemy. When you invite God into your life, you are putting a target on yourself. He's going to come up against you. But you're better off with God than you are without him. Not just in this world, but in all of eternity, forever and ever. You need God. We need God. For 80 years, Moses. Moses was in training. His first 40 and his second training. He was in training for these last 40 years that he didn't even know he was in training. That's how God works. Whatever he's doing in your life now, he's going to use at a future point. You don't know it. I don't know it, but he's going to do it. Trust God's process. Trust him. Moses, though, he's going to have to dig down deep. He's going to have to do his part as a physical human being. He is going to have to rely on his thinking and his reasoning and his judgment and all of his things. But, but here's, the, here's the more important thing. Not only does he have to dig down deep and do his part, but he is not going to be alone. God is going to be with Moses and God is going to be the one who will do it. All God needs is a willing soul full of faith, full of trust, full of belief to say, God, I want to do this with you. And although Moses was not the most willing person in the beginning, he learned to be, he learned to be, he learned to trust. He learned to be willing. He learned to say, he learned to have to say, I'll do it. I'll go. Send me. At first he didn't want to. He had all the excuses in the world why he didn't need to, or why he couldn't, why he was unable, or not the right guy. But God was going to show Moses through time that he is the right guy. And if God calls you, he will not only qualify you, but he will provide what you need to get it done. And he will be with you. By far, Moses is one of the most important characters in the Bible that we will ever read about. The name Moses right next to the name Jesus are two of the greatest names in all of Scripture. Moses. He is everywhere. So much so that the Hebrew writer would write and say this about Moses. By faith, Moses, 
when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible, the burning bush. God talked to Moses and Moses heard from God. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. And by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians tried to do so, and they were drowned. Moses, Moses, the life of Moses. So much to talk about, but when God stepped into Moses' life, incredible things happened. And the same is true for anyone who asks God to step into their life. You ask God to step into your life. I ask God to step into my life. And God is going to do incredible things along the way. Maybe not today, but at some point, God is going to prepare you for some incredible work. Trust him. Ask him to step in. And then just be faithful. Even if things get tough, be faithful. Be trustful. Be God's man. So let me share with you some quick takeaways about Moses. Things we just hit on that I want to just highlight. Number one, God protects the innocent. God protects the innocent. Moses was an infant, and God protected Moses for a specific work. Now, again, you could say, and I, I, I this is my first question about this, what about all the other babies? All those other babies during Moses' time, during, uh, during Jesus' time, and even in our day with abortion. What about those innocent babies? Doesn't God protect them? And I would say to you this, they are in heaven. God is protecting their eternal soul. God does not promise us a rose garden on this earth. Evil, evil people will do evil things. Somebody will pick up a gun and kill people in a school. It's happening all the time. That is the result and the effects and the, the, the evidence of evil in the world. We should open our eyes and realize evil is among us and it is gonna have its way. And God sometimes will protect us from those things in this world, especially like Moses because it had a special plan for Moses' life and God protected him to get him to a point where he could use him to lead the people out of Israel. But God doesn't always step in and do that. But the more important protection that you and I need is our eternal soul protected for eternal life. And God is more than able. For now, he allows the world to revolve the way it does. He allows Satan to do what he does. And God works among his people the way that he does. But here's the deal. God protects the innocent. Sometimes physically on the earth, sometimes all the time for eternity in heaven. So anybody who has ever lost a baby, anybody who has ever lost an infant, whether before birth or after birth, those babies are with God. I, 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 I am confident of this. 
the scripture is very clear that, that those innocent children are safe and secure in the Father's hands. There's no worry about them. There's no worry about them. Sin only impacts adults, young people and adults who know the difference between sin, who are rebellious toward God. Those innocent little babies simply are not. Number two, do not take revenge. As, as, as easy as it comes to us as human beings, don't do it. Fight against it. Like try your best to let the love of God and the love of Christ rule in your heart to the point that even when bad things happen to you, you respond with love. Do not take revenge. Leave room for God. He will do it better than you and I will ever do it. Trust him on that. And besides, in the end, evil people lose. And good people that love God, honor God, serve God, they win. No matter what the game looks like on earth, no matter how bad it may seem to be going in our country, God wins in the end, and anyone connected to God is going to win with him. So just trust God. Trust his process. Number three, never abandon the kingdom of God. Moses never forgot who he belonged to, even though he was raised in a palace, even though we have all these luxuries around us, all this technology around us, all these money around us, our homes, and all the stuff we got. Big deal. It's worth nothing in the end. Never forget, you're a child of God's. You're a son, you're a daughter of God's, and that is more important than anything in this world. Never abandon the kingdom of God. Your citizenship is in heaven if you love Jesus. Number four, when the time is right. Once again, Moses, 40 years, Moses, 40 years, Moses, 40 years. He dies at 120, isn't that, isn't that amazing? 40 years in the palace when the time was right, 40 years in Midian with his family, thinking, God working on him. And then at age 80, God calls him to lead the people out of Egypt. 40 years, they spend wandering in the wilderness and Moses dies looking at the promised land but not entering it. Partly because of his own dumb decisions. But Moses did a mighty work for God, even though he wasn't perfect. And you know what? We're going to be the same way. We can do a mighty work for God, even though we're not perfect. Even though we've screwed up. Moses was a murderer. He killed somebody. He was a wanted man in Egypt. God still used Moses. So if God can use Moses, I think God can use you and me. We just got to want God to use us. We just got to cry out, God, use me for your glory. When the time is right, God will step in and do a big work. Trust him on that. Just have faith and live that normal, simple life and be faithful in the little things. And God will do a mighty thing in you. Number five, last thing is this. God just needs a faithful and willing person. He just needs somebody that he can trust. He needs somebody that he can say, can I trust you with this mission? I understand you're not perfect. I am going to be with you, but will you just hang on to me and go? You can be. Here's the cool thing. You or I, we could be exactly what God is looking for if we will just cry out to him, say, God, use me for your glory. Do whatever it is you want in me. Do a mighty work. When God steps in.
The life of Moses is so incredible. There's so much more that we haven't even touched on. But here's what happened when God steps in. Lives are changed forever. Chains are broken and prisoners are set free. And here's what happens. Rescue happens. Moses' entire life was about going back and rescuing the Hebrew children out of bondage, out of slavery, and leading them to the promised land, just like Jesus has done for you and me. He left heaven, he came to this earth, and he provides salvation for anyone so that he can lead us one day to the promised land in eternity. All you gotta do is put your faith and trust in Christ. Give him your life. Believe that he is the savior of the world, the son of the living God. Be immersed into Jesus. Have your sins washed away so that you can have that Holy Spirit come and live in you and live a powerful life for God so that he can begin to work in your life and prepare you for the day that he wants to step in and do something incredible like he did in the life of Moses. God bless you guys. Have a great day. May God be with you. Take care.